we can see where Devin's at. I want to see where Devin, because I'm putting up the performances. Where, where's yours? You know, you're a fucking champ. So, like, you're calling me out. What does that mean? I'm the real fucking champ. I'm the champ. If you call me out, I'm the fucking champ. You ain't the champ. And I told him to his face, if you're a champ, I'm a champ. And he, I turned up on him. He knows it. I, I don't have respect for him, though. He's a talented fighter. Fast jab, good boxing skills. Didn't have a good performance. Maybe he needs to assess himself a little bit. But I want him to be great so we could have a great fight. Is Ryan Garcia is a worthy conversation today, Mark, today boxing, 2020, as one of the primary guys in your weight division, that's that's like he is a listen, superstar. I think I think Ryan is a star for sure. But Fonseca wasn't a worthy opponent. You're saying to beat you, he would get that approval. He would never beat me. <laughs> so he got to beat somebody like you. He wouldn't get that approval. All right, let's make the fight happen so and then once listen. So, it, so that's why we needed this Mr. fight. Mr. That's Hopkins. why we need this what conversation, Mr. Hopkins. Why? He why why not Devin Haney fight. next? What? Why not Devin Haney next? Division. You're a boxing guy. Yeah. Why did he beat me last? Why did he say that he will fight everybody? Luke Campbell, Linares. You the best out of all the guys he mentioned. Thank you. Thank you. I agree to that. Thank you. Out of the guys he mentioned. Thank you. That's smart. If I'm him, I would say, look, I want to fight all these guys that's dangerous. I still can't sleep on them. But y'all become. The climax. Y'all become the fight to watch. That's the buildup. Everything must have a buildup before it explodes. It's not about the maximizing, you know, the money or the pay. It's just, you know, I'm moving at my pace. Whatever Devin, you know, wants, he's gonna say that. But in reality, you know, it's not gonna happen, you know, by 2020. You know, it more more possible to happen in 2021. I mean, like. I the fight would be bigger. The fight would be bigger if, if it happened down the line. But you know, I'm 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 willing to make the biggest fights happen now. You know, I, uh, I'm young. You know, I'm world champion, and uh, you know, I'm willing to fight fight anybody. You know, I I don't, I don't want to duck or dodge anybody. I don't want you know the the fans to, to to label that label me as that. You know, I want them to say that you know that that, that guy he's he's young, but he's willing to fight whoever, and and that's what they're saying. They're they're, they're respecting me for it. You've never seen a 20-year-old with this many fans or this many people just knowing a, a fighter at 20. I mean, you got a handful. Tyson at 2021. 20, uh, you got Oscar De La Hoya coming out of the Olympics. You don't see a lot of these type of fighters. And I know that, you know, I have a lot of expectations, a lot of hype around me. He, he, he has a lot of experience. You know, a lot of people don't know that, you know, Ryan probably has like... 14 national titles you know he, he he was a top amateur you know coming out of the amateur ranks you know he has probably doubled the amount of amateur fights that i have so i i, I think that you know his his experience you know uh plays plays a big role i gotta keep my feet grounded and train like it's my last because i can't i can't afford a bad performance i can't afford a loss because you know there's so many eyes on me I like Brian. I like what he's doing. Uh, I like, like I said, I'm, hopefully we can make that fight in 2020, 2020, 2020, 2021. Um, you know, coming out of amateurs, we, we, we tied it. So in the pros, we got to, you know, we, we, we got to break that. It's a mega fight. Mega fight. Phil, Phil and Debbie want that fight now. You know, and I'll be willing to make that fight first fight off the bat in 2020. But I don't know whether Ryan, Ryan, not that Ryan's afraid, but sometimes promoters like to build, you said that, they <laughs> like to build, build an asset that they've got, but I believe the asset that we've got beats him. So I'm willing, if I didn't, I wouldn't want to make that fight now. I'd be saying, no, yeah, that, we, can, we can build that fight, but really, I'm that confident, let's, let's do it first fight in 2020, and it's a mega fight for boxing. But, I will be honest, it does get bigger and bigger and bigger. But I think 2020 is the perfect time, and it would be for a world title. I think, um, I think he's a good-looking guy. I think he speaks well. I think he's a, <laughs> he's an athlete, Spanish audience. Even though he don't speak Spanish, you know, he's he's a uh, he's. I like Ryan Garcia a lot. I mean, he's an exciting fighter. He's got a good style. He's got a big following socially, you know. And uh, despite the tiff with Golden Boy, I think they've done a good job pushing him as well. He sells very well. And he's, you know, he's a, he's a, he's a big star. Ryan Garcia is a big star. So, Ryan, congratulations. I'm privileged and I'm honored 
to be working with a young man that that is that has the potential the potential to uh, to win many world titles and become the face of boxing and and so on and so on. When we talk about our business in America, from a selfish point of view, you need the top top talent. You need the future, and I believe that the biggest, you know, and the best future of American boxing is with Devin Haney and actually global boxing. I mean, look at this turnout here today. It's incredible. You know, he's, he's from Vegas. He's come to London. He's only just starting his career. And this is a bigger turnout than I've seen from a lot of British world champions. So you guys are behind it. The hype is real. Come to that time of the day, or the week, or quarantine, whatever whatever time it is. It's come to that time where we face off the last remaining fighters of the tournament. We've had the semi-finals, but this is the very last stage. But before we head into the final, which is a cracker of a fight, we've got the third place playoff. Uh, the two fighters that didn't make it into the final, but we'll have a little clash to see who's best uh, in third place of this bracket. So without further ado, my guy, all the way from Canada, miles and miles away from where I am right now. Um, thank God for technology, or we would be absolutely screwed. Is going to go through uh, the fighters record and injuries. And so, Marshall, take over. All right, we got the G-Man, Jill McClellan, with a record of 31 and 0, with only three defeats and 29 knockouts. So we're looking at an over 95% knockout radio ratio. And then undefeated fighter out of Wales. The pride of Wales, Joe Calzaghi, 46-0. So we got quite the matchup here. How do you think it's going to go? You start this one off for me. Whichever fight McClellan is in is a hard one to break down for me. Every single one that he's been in, I don't think I've had a straightforward answer for because it's just so tough to decide. Um, But... Look, McClellan was a killer. He'd come out and he wants to take you out within three rounds. We've said that plenty of times in the series so far. And well, you look at you look at the guy who stood across the ring from him as Kazagi, right? Undefeated. He had close fights. He edged fights, um, and he also like his best fights were not against obviously the best versions of the opponent. So technically, you'd think McClellan, the, the bigger guy, would you know take him out of there. Uh, but for me, I don't know. Kawasaki was was strong. He was durable. He was a tough, nitty gritty guy. He would take punches. And let's not get it. He's, he's, we did we did say a few episodes ago that he does leave his chin sometimes hanging. But he had his own type of defense. Like he early in the round, I reckon he you know where he's not tired. I don't think he'd leave his chin out, out in the air. And also, I don't think he. I don't think Jeremy McClellan that that event wouldn't get to him. Like I said, the Andre Ward fight, I felt like it would be very overwhelming. I feel like McClellan wouldn't wouldn't have that same effect, so he'd carry a bit more confidence into that fight. Yeah, so stylistically, they gel. They they've literally gelled like that. But for me, I think the the level that Calzaghi was at, it's hard to say he wouldn't defeat McClellan over 12. That's fair. I definitely understand that. I'm on the fence. I'm not sure where to go with this one. The thing is, Joe McClellan could very well get him out of there early. Mm -hmm. Like you said, hangs his chin out there. He got dropped by Bernard Hopkins and Roy Jones in the first round by both of them. Um, now, if it goes past the first four, I don't see how McClellan wins on points. I don't think that's a possibility. He would get outworked. Uh, Calzaghi's a very, very good boxer. Um, his technical skills are just superior to McClellan. But I don't see him surviving that first three rounds. I don't I don't think he gets out. I, if, if, if over the hill Roy Jones and Bernard Hopkins are catching him in the first round, McClellan will catch him and will finish him. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, but also you have to think about situations of those fights. Um, both McCle uh, Mo both uh, Roy Jones and uh, Hopkins, in my opinion, were way superior than McClellan, right? And we understand McClellan's got amazing KO percentage, like what he did to Julian Jackson, what he did to Nigel Benn were statements, but is that enough for you to think he's going to take out an undefeated guy at his prime in his best weight division? 
taken to the fact also that that wasn't again we didn't see McLaren at that weight but that wasn't exactly his A1 uh, division he was a middleweight um, who obviously could definitely feel into super middle with no problems but we're talking about a guy at his prime in his best division and even though he did get dropped by an, an outdated Roy Jones and outdated there was still Roy Jones and Bernard Hopkins I think they would give problems to heck people if they were around at that age now they'd still give problems to the kids that are coming up now because they are themselves of course that it's not a guarantee that they'd win but they'd give problems to them Okay, so uh, if you look at Calzaghe's resume, besides those two names, and I guess Jeff Lacey, who isn't even in the conversation as an all-time great, who do you think is in the like is the relevant that you think he could stand up to a prime Joe McCollum for three or four rounds early? Like, um, if you look at his resume, there's no name on there that's like, yeah, I can see how he could do that. I mean, Mikhail Kessler, but Mikhail Kessler was young at the time. You've got a solid point. I think we both got a really good point, and it's, I think we've both got a rock solid uh, conversation right now. It's just really, we have to, let's have a deep think about this right now. McClellan against Calzaghe. I think you, the body of work, you do have to give it to Calzaghe. I, I, I think he could survive those early rounds and he could, and he would have fought. Down. He'd slow him down, he'd slow McClellan down. Yeah, and that's bit, fair. And, and if and if um, I just see Calzaghe surviving those four rounds because he's a bigger guy as well. But when did when did Calzaghe start getting dropped as well? Yes, we say okay. One of the arguments that I'm going to counteract now is he fought an outdated Roy Jones and got dropped. Here. But surely he was reaching the end of his career also. Yeah, he, he definitely was. The, those are his step up fights. Okay, if you look at his last six fights, you got Jeff Lacey, Saki Obika. Peter Manfredo Jr., Mikel Kessler, Bernard Hopkins, Roy Jones. So that's like, that's his resume right there. His last six fights. That's pretty much, when you look at who he fought, that's what you're going to be looking at. Yeah. He also fought Chris Eubank. And if you can, look, he dropped Chris Eubank and he neutralized Chris Eubank. I know Chris Eubank was also at the back end of his career. But that was probably a better Calzaghe than the one facing um, Roy Jones and Hopkins, right? He faced him earlier on in his career. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, for he, sure. And, and, and Chris was a, was a bit of a puncher also. Not exactly the most powerful, but he could punch. That's a good point. Yeah, he, he did, that's that's fair. He survived Eubank. Okay, I'll give him that. I, I think he gets out of the first four rounds. I think it's an SD, to be honest. Split decision. It's a close fight. It it will literally come down to what judges see. So if you're one judge, judge and I'm one judge, you like the way McClellan fights, I like the way Kawasaki fights. It would come down to that, but then there'll be a judge who sees the element of, you know, the way Kawasaki fights, I feel like it'd be a, a split decision for Kawasaki. I can definitely see that happening. That's fair. Yes, I got him on my side. He was trying to, you were trying to say McClellan. No, McClellan though. Top, top fighter regardless. And again, every matchup we've had McClellan in, it's been hard for me to break down. Especially the last one against Roy Jones was hard for me to break down. Uh, Kalzagi, it would have been more harder, but I kind of I stood my ground and said, no, stick to this decision. Don't turn your back on it now. Uh, but yeah, final thoughts on those two fighters. Final thoughts, again, if they fight 10 times, I think McCullough knocks them out about four times at least. Do you agree um, with the argument though? A few people were saying, um, well, let's, let's bring back some of those comments. Uh, some people were saying that they disagree with your comment on uh, the fact that Calzaghe was never stopped. Calzaghe was undefeated. And especially he didn't show any weakness necessarily to the body. You mentioned that he gets stopped to the body uh, or he could get dropped to the body even. Do, yeah. do, do you see where people are coming from in terms of why would you say that? Yeah, he got dropped, but he was never like hurt extremely or anything. Yep, Sergey Kovalev was never hurt to the body before he got stopped by Andre Ward. And then all of a sudden, after Andre Ward deal, uh, deals with him, he can't take a body shot after that. So, I mean, it is what it is. We're talking, he's never fought anybody like Andre Ward. So, to, to compare his resume to fighting a prime Andre Ward is not in the same conversation. For sure. Yeah, it's a very good point. There, look, there's loads of arguments, and there's loads of people who have their own opinions. But at the end of the day, guys, these fights never happen. These, these arguments will always go on. And yes, we've gone through the greatest and we're about to go into the final, but they still didn't happen, guys, okay? Don't be sad, don't cry. The fights did not happen. 
Um, look, so far, everyone that's been in the com uh, competition, we have massive respect for amazing, great fighters in their own right. And uh, it's about time now you guys tune into the next episode, which is the final one for this bracket anyway, because we might be doing another one with this quarantine going on. Yeah. The final between Andre Ward and Roy Dolphin. Patrick Thurman. Hey Fight Fans, it's Michelle Joy Phelps. If you haven't already subscribed to my YouTube channel, make sure you go ahead and do so by clicking the icon right here and also hit the bell button so that you can get alerts every time we upload a new video. You were a key part of the, the Tyson Fury camp recently for the rematch against Deontay Wilder. Uh, crazy, crazy performance from Tyson Fury. Not a lot of people thought you had... Well, not a lot of people thought you would carry that game plan off. Um, I read a little thing about you in the airport after the fight uh, with Declan Taylor. Is that somebody asked you? If you somebody asked you if you, if you caught the fight. Uh, yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, but that's uh, who would, like who's no one's looking at me, Eddie. You know, in the corner. Uh, we were having a couple of drinks and just reflecting on it. And some guy was like, "Oh, so you guys see the fight? What do you think?" And I thought, "Yeah, it's caused quite a bit of it." Yeah, <laughs> start laughing, you know. So, uh, yeah. How um how, how would you sum up that night in terms of emotions and and being part of that event? One of the best nights I've experienced in boxing, uh, even even compared to my own career, because even like amongst my own career, because I felt so much pressure or so much weight. The result of that fight was like a lot, I would have felt that as much. I feel like honestly, I'm very close to Tyson, and he's a guy I care a lot about. I want him to want him to win the fight as much as I would want to win the fight. But the fact that he called me up, put it. But he's trusted me to recommend a trainer. Um, and the fact that he asked me to be involved as well. You know, and the fact that we were we were the ones who wanted to fight this way. We were the ones who wanted him to have this approach. So we dedicated it. We all, like, you know, committed to it in training. We all, all, all day, every day, all we practiced was what you saw. Nothing else. None of the slick moving, shimmy, shimmering. Fading, fading stuff that he always does. Yeah. We just worked on what we saw, what you saw in that fight, and so like everyone was saying, it was the wrong approach. Everyone, no, no one believed us what we were doing. Like you know, but the fact that it, um, so I, I, even I, like the night for the fight, even though I was like I was having my, not doubts, but I was very worried because I knew I had this gone wrong. I was going to be one of the main people to blame. Sugar Hill and me, and from his family, who I obviously have an affinity with, his brothers and his dad, who I spoke to on the phone a few times during the camp just to reassure him that it would have been on me, that I would have been the one, you know, who would have been to blame. Mm -hmm. So the fact that he won the fight, it was it's really, and the way he won the fight, it's up there with some of the best, well, one of my best nights in boxing. Yeah, it was a well. It must have been a special night. Um, and in terms of, I mean, Tyson, Tyson is a, a one-off, isn't he? In terms of how he can adapt his game plan, and and he just seems naturally to be one of the most talented heavyweights we've seen. Where where do you think he will cement himself in terms of heavyweight legacy in the UK or, or worldwide? He's got to be in the argument now. Like you saw the thing on Max Kellerman, Max unboxing. Uh, it's 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 a it's right out like it's, it is a, the fact that he's so big and the way he can fight and box inside outside uh, mentally so strong he's he's up there like with the with the he, it'd be hard for any heavyweight in history to beat him he's already beaten Klitschko he's beaten Deontay Wilder the biggest puncher um, and. I don't know, I think he'll go on to beat Anthony Joshua. Now, it's a different fight, it's a hard fight. I certainly, Joshua's a great champion himself. But, like, and if he does fight Joshua and he beats him, then he's, he's like, he's got to be in the, he's, he's in the conversation for the greatest heavyweight of all time. Mm. And you got to look at him now, the fact that he's won that fight. He's in, he's at, like, he's up there with the biggest sports stars in the world, regardless of sports, not just boxing. You look at how he won that fight, the magnitude of that fight. Um, uh, like he is, he's a, he's, he's a megastar. Like yeah, he certainly is a superstar, uh, and I think that's obviously down the way he conducts himself as well. Um, 
I mean, obviously, you guys are you guys are related, right? Cousins. Um, what what was your kind of relationship growing up alongside Tyson? Were you close? Were you in contact during kind of childhood or? No, I didn't know Tyson. Um, first, her, like heard like when I uh, turned pro, I started to hear about like after I started to hear about him, but like I didn't really know him growing up because he lived in England. We were second cousins, and really came. He won the box for the Irish title, and he was trying to trace his Irish roots. They got in touch with my dad, um, who would be his mother's first cousin. And my dad went and had to sign an affidavit because they had no birth papers back in there to say that his granny, who was my grandmother's sister, was born in County Tipperary, Banshee County Tipperary. So that's when we first really got to know him. And he... Um, came to a few of my fights in Dublin. Oh, yeah, I went to his fights in Dublin and in England. And we didn't really get to know each other properly until he came to Detroit at that time. And uh, that was it, you know. Like he hit it off. I think he's uh, he's always admired me for, for going to America and fighting in the crank and um, the fights I had and the fights you know I won. And I've always admired him because I realized like I'm a, I I know the talent he has. Like like I don't think he knows how good he is, and he's quite. Um, uh, how can I say self self not self self depreciating whatever it is yeah but, yeah like, he's uh, quite modest in that but like he's he's unbelievably talented and I, I don't think he realised how good he is because men his size shouldn't fight like that you know men his size can't fight like that in terms of being that coordinated be able to do all the things he does and also to have that will and the strength of character that we've all seen now um he, like that's what people don't realize he's like he's bred to do this if you look at his family history they're all fighting people like, he's like the perfect genetic mix of all of these men from his dad to his uncles to his grandfathers on both sides being fighting men you mm-hmm. know and uh, he's just the, the, the result of all that and is that the same on your side so when you look back at your family is that a similar sort of heritage no, no, not not so much. He's got the Bartons and he's got the Gormans. Um and it's more more on his side. With boxing, as a young traveller or gypsy, mm. you grow up with boxing, and that's just the way it is. Boxing is part of your 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 youth, you know. So yeah, we always had that. Nice. Um, just a couple more, Andy. I'll let you go and enjoy the rest of your quarantined evening. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I know obviously you released your book, I believe, was it last year? Was it the back end of 2018? A couple of years, yeah, a couple of years ago. I don't know, maybe 17, yeah, 16, 17, maybe, maybe 17, 16, 18, who knows? Yeah. <laughs> not not yeah. too long ago. Um, and it's a, it's a fantastic bit of work. In terms of that project, how, how did that feel for you, putting your life down on paper and, and opening up uh, for, for the public, if you like? I don't even think about it. Uh, <laughs> you know what? It's done. It's done, and it's out there. Um, I would put in a lot of time in it, put a lot of time into it, and a lot of work. Um, but I, I don't even. I, I kind of like you know, people. I meet strangers on the street, and they can tell me about things, and I forget, and I wonder how does he know that? But anyway, then I realise, oh yeah, I have a book out. <laughs> but yeah, now the book, it's it's all. I, for me, it's a legacy that some that my children will read. And my grandchildren will read, and they'll know about my life, you know. Um, so yeah, it's a nice little thing to do, and I brought in another few quid as well, so that's not bad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you've got to make it work for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, great. Now, Andy, obviously, we don't know what's happening just now in terms of having your guys back out again. If I was to ask you, we're almost approaching the summer now. By the end of next year or the next eighteen months. Do you have an idea of, of what you would like to see happen with the, the guys, or do you think you'd be in a position yeah. to take somebody else on? I think Jason, within the next 18 months, Jason Quigley should be fighting for a world title. Yeah. And, like, this fight with Jack Cullen has been rumoured a lot and talked about a lot. It was in the process of being made before things came to a halt. That's a fight we will have and take. Um, and it's a good fight for both men. Um, and Paddy. I think, well, see, things like a patio, I'd like to keep fighting him once a month now, but I think he should have fought on Tuesday and then we'd fight again in April and on and on and on. But things have just slowed down. So, like, I was hoping to have Paddy about 10 and 0 by the end of the year to get seven fights this year, but 
we're just going to have to wait and see with this virus and how it affects everything. Mm. I spoke to Rob after he spent time in the gym and I said to him, obviously, you watched Paddy do a little bit of work and I wanted to know just how special he thought Paddy looked and he said he looked extremely, extremely promising. How how would you sum him up as a talent compared to the people you've seen previously? Uh, he's as good as I've seen. He's as good as the young fighter I've seen. Um, when you see what he does, you know, he spars. For, like, no one in Ireland will spar him now. It's very hard for me to get him sparring. It's just incredibly hard for anyone. Like, he's sparring light heavyweights and super middleweights because nobody around his weight will, will turn up to spar him or even agree to spar him. So... It's getting very hard. That's one of the biggest challenges I'm going to have with him is keeping him simulated and keeping him challenged. And that's the problem we have in Ireland. There's not a lot of good sparring here anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but like he's just sensational, sensational talent. Can do it all. Can punch. Can fight. Can box. Um, just needs to be mad. That's all. Just got to stay dedicated and be managed and taking through the taking through the process of gaining experience. But in terms of talent, he's world class. Very exciting stuff. Uh, yeah, that's great. Hopefully, he can get back out soon. And yeah. last one, Andy. Obviously, we spoke about a lot of great memories, a lot of you know promising stuff moving forward. Boxing is a notoriously tough sport. What would you say is the hardest part of being involved in boxing professionally? I think a lot of the uh, the hardest part is the mismanagement of fighters and fighters like. It's just a different landscape now to when I boxed. That you can get you can get an opportunity. There are opportunities now. So much TV dates, and if you're halfway talented, you will get chances. Um, but I think just no people promising you things and then they're not coming to fruition. It's very easy to get disillusioned as as a fighter. Um, but I think things are different now. I think. Uh, I don't think there are as many crooks in boxing. Maybe I'm being naive, but I, I've, so far, as a, as a manager and as a trainer, I guess that's because I've only been dealing with small people, but small <laughs> number of people. But um, it just seemed like when I was pro early in my career and throughout my career, you had to deal with a lot of dirty people. Mm. And that was one of the reasons why I was happy to walk away. Um, but it seems like there's a lot of opportunities now and there are a lot more chances for, for, for average fighters to get world title fights, you know, so it's a good good, good time to be a boxer. So I would say just, yeah, just don't get disillusioned with it and stay focused and that's what I had to do. Persevere, even though things are not happening, you might not get an opportunity, these other fighters take fights that you want, just carry on and wait for your, wait for your chance. Yeah. Definitely, uh, and it's great you're using your experience as well to help those guys navigate themselves through that. Um, Andy, absolutely brilliant. Really appreciate that. Uh, Thanks, and Thank you very much. Thanks for the call. Cheers, mate. I'll speak to you soon. Thank you. See you anytime. Give us a call or a text. Cheers, Andy. Thank you, mate. Bye-bye. Thanks, Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. Danny Flexen for seconds out and um, with Jazza Dickens, golden contract finalist. Yep. Um, I guess that's kind of the first question. How relieved, if that's the right word, do you feel that you're one of the few people that's got a fight lined up for when all this is over? Um, yeah, that is relieving. That was one of the, that was one of the things why I entered the tournament because I knew the fights people couldn't pull out of them, and also he was there for the activity and that guarantee of actually getting fights. Yeah, it's a bit of a result. I mean, obviously, it's not going to come as soon as you would have hoped with all this going on, but it's better that it's in the books and, and there's no getting away from it. Yeah. I um, obviously interviewed you before the semi-final against Lee Wood. It seemed to most people like a 50-50 fight. Um, you can see Kay and Sky obviously thought so because they made it the main event and where it was positioned yeah. on the card. You seem very much in the build-up as if you thought a lot of people were picking against you. You seem like you had a point to prove. Is that fair to say? Yeah, well, I think I think that, that was against me because the the betting office had me down, didn't they? By 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 a loss. So I think that um, by going by the end results, 
they're going to want to lose the money, you know, they don't like losing the money, really. So they sort of seem to know what they're talking about normally. So that's why I felt like I was so much up the underdog, you know. And plus that, he, he is the Sky Fighter and he was the, he's the regular regular fighter on the Sky. So that, that probably, that, that, that was the point to prove, you know, that I am the best fighter in this tournament and, and I'm not going to lose, uh, I'm not here to make the numbers up, you know. I'm sure a lot of people close to you made a fair bit of cash on those uh, crazy odds. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, a good while, people said, yeah, no, the betting slips, saying, yeah. look how much I've won, look how much I've won. He was, <laughs> he was a good bit of money won on that fight. Probably a lot lost as well, but he was a good bit of money won. That's good stuff. The, the performance you put on, I think everyone was really impressed with. Did it go exactly how you'd planned it out? I didn't, I didn't like um, see it in that way. I'm more, it, it did go all plans. I got the win, and that, that was it, really. Getting a win, no matter what way I would, I, I would, how would, would the fight went, um, adapt to whatever the situation would be, and getting a win, that was it, yeah. And did he do anything differently, or anything that surprised you once you were in there, or was it pretty much as expected? Um. Yeah, it's pretty much what I expected by by the footage I've seen of him. I think he's um, he's had that style for a long time, and there's no change in that style. And I knew from previous encounters in the amateur and stuff like that, being able to adapt was my strength and not his. So I think the fight was only going to get better for me and worse for him, as, as I was the one who could adapt. Do you think that you get underrated to an extent? Not just because you're not the Sky Fighter and you haven't had that sort of build-up. Also, you've got three defeats on your record and maybe people don't look beyond that to see who those defeats were against. Well, that's, that's boxing for you, then, not it? You know, that's, that's boxing fans, they say he's lost him. He's, he, must, he must be... Can I swear? Yeah, go for it. Why must, not? must be shite. Yeah. <laughs> and he's, he's a journeyman. If he lost his fights, he must be a journeyman. You know, that's what, that's what people are looking at. Huh? People... <laughs> Would put half these people in a fight, will he ever win one? So, I don't know. Two boxing fans watch the sport and they know the game. They see the talent in the fighter and they, and, and they sort of, two boxing fans know what the fighter is capable of, you know, so, so they're good at reading fights. But if, you, if you've lost two fights in this day and age, you're probably not the, the, the fan's favourite, you know. Yeah, but I mean, if you look at who you've lost to, Kid Galahad, obviously. World title challenger. A lot of people felt he was unlucky against Josh Warrington when he had his shot. Tommy Ward, uh, future uh, world title challenger at least, we think. Or may maybe a world champion, we don't know. And Rigondo, who's like a living legend, both in amateur and professional games. What? Yeah, I think in hindsight, looking back, when Mickey finished, you would probably say he lost to two world champions. So, But that doesn't give me no consolation, you know. <laughs> I, lost, <laughs> I lost. I lost the fights and that's that. So... Um, I just know what I'm capable of. I, I'm not going to say I'm the best fighter to ever live. I'm not going to say that. But what I can say is there's nobody on me day that I can't beat, and I'm confident in that, you know. How are you getting on training-wise while all this is going on? Are you still able to get some of your training in, your runs and stuff, I guess? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm in the car park here. I've run last, I, I woke up at 3 o'clock last night in the morning, and I thought, I'll just go for a run. I parked the car by the car park, by the garage. I get a coffee out of there and then I go for a run. <laughs> so I was doing like uh, press ups in the, in the car park. And see <laughs> so yeah, I love training, I, lo I love it. Um, I, I haven't got no bag in the house though, so being in the masses, being thrown in the masses against the wall, like remember in the 90s and you were a kid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so that's what I was just been doing whatever I can to stay, to stay you know, I go a bit bit off key if I don't train so I've just been keeping myself sane you've always been kind of into doing your runs at weird times and stuff haven't you you like Batman or something you like going out when everyone else is asleep yeah it gives me like an aim and mental edge you know not everybody can do it at, at uh, that time not everybody can do it not everyone will get out of bed when he's on money so it gives me a little bit of a mental edge as well it's nice nice to know that I've been the one who's done that little bit next day you know how are you finding all this mentally, as you talked about the kind of the psychological part, having to be restricted, knowing what's going on in the wider world as well? It's pretty scary, I guess. And, and how, do you, how have you been coping with all that? I haven't watched the news, Dan. This, this, to me, what I want to go into now is camp. This is what I call camp, you know. 
this is just normality for me. I feel sorry for the for everybody else, of course, and I haven't been affected by it so much as I've just been paid from my last fight. I can't believe uh, imagine what some people are going through right now, but in terms of what happens for me, my kids are off school. I get more time with my kids, I get more time with my partner, and um my training resumes as always, nothing changes for me. My life's actually gone better because I get my kids. I won't watch the news because you know it's mostly just scaremonger and negativity. So for me, it's nothing's changed, not nothing at all. Probably, probably the outlook I've got as well is um, look on the bright side all, all the time. But yeah, not not much to change for me then. Why? Why? What? What's that? Why? What's happening? <laughs> yeah. The whole world's been wiped out. <laughs> it's like 24 <laughs> days later. <laughs> There'll be nothing when you come out of camp. No, but seriously, you um, what was I going to say? Yeah. So. You've obviously talked in the past about how important your faith is to you. Yeah. Uh, has that been kind of a help in all this, that you're used to being quite solitary and having that sort of relationship with God? Yeah, of course. I was, I was this morning, I've been on the phone to the priest. You know what I mean? How, how, how are you getting on? And it's a bit mad, isn't it, while everyone's flapping and stuff like that. So to, to have faith in something sort of helps you, helps you in that way, you know. I've got a strong faith and you know, anything like this comes along doesn't really affect me as much as it as it does. I see other people around me flapping and it doesn't affect me that much. You've got Ryan Walsh, obviously, in the final, MTK Golden Contract, whenever that takes place. What did you make of his semi-final performance against Tyrone McCullough? I haven't seen fights. I didn't see it. I was, I was on after him, wasn't I? Yeah. You haven't watched it since? No. I heard Tyrone almost, I, I heard Tyrone almost down um, a few times. Yeah. But I haven't seen the fight. But I wouldn't watch that fight because Tyrone's probably not... He's not going to allow you to perform at your best. So I'll probably watch your fight where I'll see him at his best. I'll give him the credit that he deserves, you know. How do you see Ryan Walsh's style matching up to yours? Because I think for most people out there, they see it being a bit of a thriller. Similar to the Lee Wood fight. Um, I, I don't see it well myself. Um, I just... I, I, I feel like I'm better than him uh, uh, most things. I do, yeah. I can't see anything. I just feel like I'm better at most things. But I will give him the respect that he does deserve. As he's a great champion. I don't think there's many fighters who have held on to this title as long as he has. So, I don't know. I think it was a bit, he, it was a bit unfair the way he got his belt took off him as well. I think he's, he's, he should be the champion still. And I should be fighting for the British title too. <laughs> You'd be a two-weight British champion, wouldn't you, if you were to win that? Yeah. It's mad because this tournament, I've boxed, I've beat the EU, EBU champion and the Commonwealth champion and I haven't got... You have a belt. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You're the uncrowned king. Yeah. <laughs> what does the future hold beyond the tournament? I know you don't like to look too far ahead of your next opponent, but should it all go well when you become the golden contract champion and you get the contract, which would be great security for your family and everything else that comes with it, what's the future hold in boxing terms beyond that? I haven't thought too much about how the aspects of, of like me career was. Also, I see that is how, how, how I'm going to put away him. And let everybody else worry about getting me the world title shot. All I can do is train, and that's all. All I think I think every day, every night, I'm going to be world champion. I have been for years now, and I still believe that that's on the horizon. As I think, believe that's going to come to me soon. It's not my job to believe how. All my job is to do is just to um, give, be, take my opportunities when they come. This golden contract, I've probably never had the opportunity like it. So my job is to be to. Um, my career was on a bit of a, um, <laughs> it weren't going too well. I hadn't had a win for two years then. Not to, not, not, not getting opportunities, not fighting. And like, just not going my way. But if I haven't had a win for two years, all of a sudden I've had, I think about, about four or five wins on a bounce or something, good wins. Um, everyone's been on the canvas when I've fought them. And yeah, I'm at a career best. So boxing's a bit of a mad, 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 Thing, you know what I mean? Like, so I just believe I'll be world champion and it'll come. Whatever way it comes, that's not for me to worry about. What do you put that change in fortunes down to? Because like you say, you're on a great run. You're on Sky Sports now as well. You're with MTK, the biggest management powerhouse in the world. How has that changed for you, do you think? I just believe it's down to me persistence. By, I, I, I was 
I lost for the business title about three years in. I lost for the business title. Um, I won Central Area, I think it was something like that, and, and an English title beforehand. I lost for the business title. My career went like in it. I was on my arse, you know what I mean? It's hard then to come back up after your first loss. I was persistent. I came back, I won the British title. Then I was, it was a mandatory to fight for the European and got the world title shot. So then I lost the world title. And then I lost the British title after that. Um, career's back on its arse, you know what I mean? And I was persistent. And uh, I think just being persistent, you'll get the equal reward to your sacrifice, you know, and that, that's all it was. People saying, oh, you've done well for saying that round uh, and stuff like that. And well, the truth is, I was just doing the same thing every single day, only that nowadays you've seen what I've been doing. I don't know. I don't, maybe just persistence. That's what I put down to, but I don't know. Well, I think that's a good example for anyone out there watching who's had a bit of a bad run of luck, even for Lee Wood, who you beat in the last fight, that he can yeah. still come back. Yeah, of course. I felt a bit sorry for Lee watching the interview, watching the back after the fight, and I and I I've been in that situation. Me and Miguel was watching the fight, and it was just a bit of a sad thing that someone had to lose because he's a good fighter. And on, on a, I think I believe if it was a different draw, I'd have met him in the final. Well, really appreciate your time. Obviously, we've all got loads of free time at the moment, but still <laughs> appreciate you <laughs> shaving some of it off for me. Um, <laughs> I hope we get to see you soon in person, especially if the final's obviously down this neck of the woods. We'll, we'll see you in the run-up to that. Yeah. Well, what's your opinion on when, when will boxing be back? You put me on the spot there. It's hard to say because things keep getting delayed more and more. I'm hoping July. I'm hoping July. I think once you get past that, then you're looking at the season break as normal and it probably won't be until September. So I'm hoping July because otherwise there's going to be a massive bottleneck in the autumn. All right. Well, I'm going to go with the chippy now and get a pizza. And I'll blame it on you. <laughs> yeah, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. You always come back at like welterweight or something. It's fine. Thanks for having me on, Dan. Take care, mate. I'll speak to you soon. All right. Tell me, family. Welcome to this for IFL TV in association with MTK Global. I'm here with another phone interview, this time with a good friend of mine, Mr. Craig Richards. Craig, I usually start interviews by asking people how they are, but um, I think people sort of know how you've been recently. You've had a bit of a tough time with the virus. Um, it's the only place to start, really, so tell us just sort of the timeline of what's happened. Um, yeah, first of all, um, it was like I thought it was just going to be like a normal kind of flu, cold flu. So, like, I thought maybe, like, five days or so I'll be back and I'll be better. There was times it was dipping. Certain times I thought like I was gonna, I felt like I was going to be all right. And then you'd crash the next day even more again. And it lasted, like, three and a half weeks when I realised I still wasn't better. I realised that, like, it's going to be an uphill struggle here. And that's when my team obviously said, you, you can't fight like this. You're still not even out of bed. You've been ill with a virus nearly three and a half weeks now. So have you actually had it confirmed or have you sort of, are you pretty 100% sure? Is it like a self-diagnosis when you say that you've had the coronavirus? They told me I had a flu virus, but this was before the whole corona came out. So I got diagnosed, definitely 100% had a flu virus. Um, uh, when I obviously went to the hospital, went to the doctor, said you've 100% got flu virus. Um, you need to um, stay in and rest, basically. Um, and then obviously after that, weeks later, the whole corona thing had blown up and came out and it was like, oh, okay, cool. Then I spoke to a few other people who had the same cases as me and I was realised, oh, okay, so I had the same thing as them. And it was like, but the thing is with these viruses going around, there's a few different types I've noticed. Like the type that I had was like the fatigue and temperature and all of that sort of stuff. There's other coronaviruses, strains that I've seen people end up in the hospital on the breathing machine and there's more severe ones where people just um, lost their lives, unfortunately. So 
I feel like there's different um, levels to it and different kind of strains or viruses going around at this sort of time. I feel like fortunate enough for me, I didn't get to the point where I'd lost my life or was on the machine or anything to that extent. I mean, yeah, it's such a crazy time. I mean, we're talking now on, what is it? It's Tuesday night and it was only last night that the Prime Minister had been taken into intensive care. So it's just an absolutely ridiculous time. Um, in terms of yourself and sort of the long-term effects, will this just be something that, you know, it's been said that most fit and healthy people and as a professional boxer, you know, you take it seriously. We know you're going to be fit and healthy. There should be no long-term effects for recovery. Yeah, I think so. I'll have to go back to the doctors, obviously, when this has calmed down a little bit. Um, and get checked before I commence back into boxing. I've got to um, go in, check that I'm fit and healthy before I go get back into boxing and just get checked over and get a medical letter just to say I'm well. I was going to say, what does this mean with the board? Because I know that obviously the board keeping an eye on everyone and if they were to see that, you know, you potentially had this virus and I can imagine you're going to have to get something to prove to them. Yeah, that's what I've got to do. I've got to show them that I'm fit and well and I'm, able to box on um so it's better for me don't want to be socializing and be out etc and taking up the doctor's times right now because they've got a lot more important things to do not saying that that's not important but obviously people have got things life-threatening situations etc right now so they're pretty busy so when it um calms down a little bit i'll get myself checked into the doctors or hospital and get a check over and make sure that i'm all clear and fit and well ready to fight again and in terms of the fight postponement, I mean, it just seemed like this was a fight that's just never going to happen now, didn't it? Is it a bit cursed, you know, you and Jack? Well, I, I would have felt like that, but as I've had this situation, remember when we had the Jake Paul fight, we had a, we had way more postponements than this, and eventually it happened. So, you know, for, in boxing, things like this happen. So you just don't get disheartened, and you just know it's still going to happen at some point. So you just keep preparing yourself for it and when it happens, go out there and just try and get the job executed and get it done. It looked like there was going to be an opponent, however, for Shaq and um, Chad Sugden. We did actually mention before when we spoke when I come down to the, uh, the matchroom gym just after Christmas time, we said that, you know, off the back of that performance, Chad could potentially get a fight again, which will raise his profile, another big fight. And um, yeah, he landed a massive fight there and... Um, yeah, postponement for him as well. So what's sort of to take place next? I take it it's, it's probably going to be you and Shaq this time or is it now going to be Chad and Shaq? Well, potentially it should be me and Shaq because everyone knows I'm the actual number one mandatory for the British title. I've been it since June. Um, Shaq then become a mandatory after I did and Chad's nothing to do with being a mandatory at all. He was kind of in a position where he's filling in for a show because... It, otherwise the show wouldn't have went on but that show got cancelled for the same thing for the same viruses going around as what I had the show's been cancelled so by rights when the shows get rearranged we've got to go back to normal and me and Shaq get on for the British because at the end of the day I'm the actual only official mandatory for it and then he come for after Must have been quite a tough time for the boys down the match on the Hogs obviously you ended up not fighting Shaq, but that was sort of before this whole lockdown period when you had the actual virus. Um, Connor Ben, who trains on there, was going to fight on the Josh Kelly Avenisian card. We believe Ted was probably going to get out on that card. Um, yeah. I spoke to John John Ryder yesterday, and he said to me he was looking to get out on one of the pay-per-view cards, so either Dillian Povetkin or Joshua Pulev. So it's sort of, from a gym perspective, it's just bring everyone to a halt and sort of set everyone back like four or five months. 100%. At this point, we just got to call it a gap here um, in boxing. You know, we all had big ambitions for 2020. You know, we felt like we had a lot of things not um, going as right as we'd liked it to in 2019. And 2020 was the time that we put everything right and pushed forward with all the boys, you know, um, had our heads down working hard and was ready to go. And this has happened. But um, sometimes, you know, you you just got to take the uh, rough with the smooth and don't let this heart on you. Keep going, stay focused, and when it commences, we'll be back on it. For you, will it literally be follow the same path you were planning to follow? Because, I mean, going back to Bully only, then you sort of had 2018 where you got, was it three or four? It was three wins, was it? You got three yeah. wins, got back into the groove of things, then you had a big 2019. 
Yeah. It's a big... And now, the halt in 2020, is it sort of just trying to follow the same path or has it made you rethink about sort of paths you want to take or perhaps you might want to speed your, speed your process up even? I want to speed my process up, of course, but I feel like the stage I'm at, if you look at like most um, like light heavyweights coming through or other like people in like coming through in my position, you usually have fights. And then once you get to the British, you have that big domestic clash. Then they win the British and they either defend it outright or they push on. But for myself, as you've seen, I've had so many big domestic clashes already and I still ain't got the British so I just feel like I kind of want the reward for all the work I put in because um, I could have fought a lot of these opponents for the British so it's just crowning that position of finally like completing the domestic scene etc and then pushing on from there for myself yeah I mean I've said this to you before you are right in what you say if you had the British title it would actually be a really good run of defences with the fights that you've had and if you were to um sort of end that and win it outright by potentially beating Shaq, that would have been a really strong run for a British title. So you have got a case there. That's um, what I could have literally won it from Jake and won it outright by now. So it's a bit annoying a bit. Well, I mean, like you said, things will get uh, back when all of this is sort of over and done with. We can't really put a time limit on it, but let's just talk boxing in general. I mean, it's set back loads of shows, set back loads of different fights. Do you think anything's going to change when we get back to boxing? Because I think there'll be a lot of boxers out there who think, you know, you never know what can happen. I need a big fight. I need mm -hmm. to jump into this big fight now. Um, you have a lot of boxers who perhaps won't be training behind closed doors as hard as they would be. They could get caught out. Could be people losing belts here. Do you think we'll see a drastic change in boxing or do you think it would just sort of be fairly similar to what we've seen for the landscape for the last couple of years? No, you're right. I think there'll be a massive change. I think through this hard time, People will question themselves. People wonder if they want to do this. People might go in other avenues, might go to work and just feel like, you know, it's just um, other other fighters might be on it. The time out for some people might make them more ambitious um, and some people might just fall off. So I think the landscape will change dramatically. People's mindsets will change because through a time like this, everyone's going to be ask, asking themselves a lot of questions. And it depends on their answers to themselves, depends on where they want to go from here, really. So it is going to change. And then some fights might commence back. Some people might drop out of fights, what might give other people opportunities, etc. So you just don't know with this game, do you? Boxing's one of them games you just don't know. I mean, from a personal perspective now from you and sort of what your thoughts have been, I'm, I know you're not going to tell me that you thought about hanging up the gloves, but when you were sort of... Uh, down in the dumps, feeling ill, your fight was postponed and you saw people training prior to this and now the lockdown's come as well. Have you had any thoughts about anything that you'd like to do differently when you return to boxing or even outside of boxing, anything that perhaps you might have been taking for granted or has it sort of changed your perspective on anything at all? Yeah, I feel like there's a lot of things that I could be doing differently. Um, there's a lot of things that I could um, be doing better. Um, so I believe as a fighter, I think I'll be a lot better. I think I've I've found more of a balance because you've got time to reflect. As I say, there's loads of things that all every fighter's going to have time to reflect. And it's what they do with the reflection time after that. They might think I'm not willing to go to where I need to go. And they might think some fighters might feel like, you know what, I've, I've taken this for granted. I've not given my 110 or I could have achieved more. Or, you know, they get a chance to even not just look at themselves, but you get to look at the game and the landscape and might think, you know what, that fighter's done it like that. I'm going to might start mapping my career a bit better like that way or maybe take harder fights or a little week do you know what I'm saying so I feel like everyone's going to reflect and I feel like I've done reflecting and I and I feel like a bit more positive even on it like although it's a bad situation I feel like every bad situation you've got to look at the positives in it and it's given me time to reflect really one thing I do want to ask you now is I've asked a lot of um boxers I've been speaking to about this I'm not really sure what the general consensus actually is with fans because we want to see boxing at the moment. We want to see some sort of sport, you know. I want there to just be anything on the TV. I really would watch any sport right now, but what do the fighters think about boxing behind closed doors? Um, you know, I've been at a couple of your fights and especially the one versus Andre Sterling at York Hall. It was a banging atmosphere and I think it made the fight 10 times better. 100%. I think the place sort of lifted it. I think it must have given you and Andre that bit extra to sort of go toe-to-toe. -to -toe. 
Um, yeah. How would you feel about boxing behind closed doors? Do you know what? It depends on what perspective I look at it from. Like, if I look at it as a job, you're going to look like, yeah, do you know what? That would be good. Get Go out there, get paid, uh, move on. Um, you look at it from, like, a show's point of view, the atmosphere missing is really major for us. And then I look at it from a fan's point of view, and I just want to see boxing. I just want to see something on TV. So if, they, if the other fighters could do it, I'd want them to go and do that because I want to watch them boxing. So if I can sit at home and watch on TV, I don't care about the atmosphere. You don't want to be the trailblazer. You don't want to be the one to do it. Yeah, I would rather just watch... Because just to yeah. think about, we're not just obsessed with boxing as in as a boxer, we're also boxing fans. So my weekends, I don't go out, I don't drink, I don't party. So my weekends are usually looking forward to a good boxing show. So when I'm hearing there's loads of good boxing shows, I can't wait. I'm excited. Oh, Friday, he's fighting him. And Saturday, he's fighting him. I'm going to tune into that tune. So my weekends are kind of mapped by the shows. So the fact of taking that all away from me, not from me, but from everyone, but obviously, um, which is the right decision. But as a fan, you just kind of still want to see boxing, don't you? Yeah, 100%. I mean, the schedule's sort of been altered. Um, Eddie's put a statement out saying the shows will be moved, etc. We don't really know what the first show back's going to be yet. But whatever it is, I'm sure everyone's going to be clambering to want to get on it <laughs> straight away as soon as it's announced. I mean, that's going to be a cracking atmosphere. And I can imagine that it's going to be the arena's going to be full from pretty early on. You know, not everyone turning up before the main event. I can I imagine, just... you know, whatever night that is, that's going to be a proper night of boxing. I agree. I agree. I can't. I'm actually so excited. And this is what I'm saying. I think this in the negative time, you got to look at the positive. It's going to make people appreciate boxing more, appreciate even like your families more, appreciate a lot more in life in general. I feel. I think like it's reflection time for everyone because where we all work day to day and we're just always on the go, like we're like ants, we're on the go, just work, 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 money, money, money. Time you get one bit of spare time, you need to rest. So I feel like everyone as human beings now can appreciate things in life a lot more this time more. And I think the shows, especially, we're gonna we're gonna appreciate them loads, loads more. And as you said, yeah, we might sure. get the full houses just for the last couple of fights. People might be there early doors, 4:30, full. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what's gonna happen. I think there's gonna be a bit of an argument at the IFL headquarters about who gets to cover the first show. I think we're <laughs> gonna be on that one. Well, um, I'm just finding it like just being at home, clutching, wanting to do interviews, wanting to be at shows. How are you finding it? Uh, I'm not too keen on the whole Skype interview in comparison to real life. I don't feel like it's the same. Um, and I don't feel like fans feel it's the same either. I mean, you're still saying the same stuff, but you don't get that same sort of not the same. Interview. Um, and then just a general fact that, you know, I'll never moan about having to travel somewhere for a press conference again. I promise. I promise I won't. Um, this is saying you appreciate things more now, isn't it? I will. I will. I will appreciate it. I mean, I'm, I'm already starting to, you know. There's so much in life that at the moment you can't do, and it, it's frustrating. But it's also probably going to give us one of the best ends to a summer, potentially. Everyone's going to be out doing everything. I think everyone will hopefully get on better as well. People will start to be nicer to each other and it could be a summer where everyone's out drinking partying and if you're not you're in watching some amazing boxing shows so and hopefully i can do i could do both so there we go you're living life you'll get the best of both worlds eh? <laughs> yeah just a bit um just before we wrap this up have you got anything else you'd like to add anything you want to say to your fans or people who are just looking forward to getting back into boxing um yeah you know, what's the message yeah, I just want to say thanks for all the support to all the fans. And I just want to say to everyone out there, just don't be disheartened. Whether you've either like maybe lost your job or got your job or working from home or you've been suspended at times, keep your head up. Um, brighter days are ahead. We just got to get through this time and um, see you all on the other side. Craig, top man, thanks for talking to me. And I um, look forward to catching up with you soon. And uh, fingers yeah. crossed that is an over Skype. And it's a uh, <laughs> show, I hope. So, yeah, see you soon. And, yeah, thank you. See you soon, yeah.
Hi there, Danny Flexen, and welcome to this week's edition of Seconds Out Flexpectations. Here every Thursday, 4.30pm, to look ahead to boxing action. Um, not always of the weekend to come, especially in recent times. And to start off with, you probably see that we're not in our usual setting, um, in my slightly cramped front room. I decided to do this week's show, Al Fresco. Um, and not only that, I had to hide one of my son's birthday presents in the shed, which you can't see, obviously, but it's just to my left. Um, it's a slide, don't tell him. Um, but yeah, he'll be here from tomorrow, and his birthday's not till Monday, so I'm probably gonna hide it in the shed. This is my plan. And come out here Sunday night, assuming it's still light once he's in bed. Put it all together, doesn't look overly complicated. Slap some tarpaulin over it, because obviously I'm not gonna wrap it, it's massive. Um, and then in the morning, do the big reveal, and he'll probably be like, yeah, and. But you never know, you might love it, and it might be like everything I've dreamed of, or everything he's dreamed of. Um, but moving on from uh, my family life to boxing, just wanted to talk um, about the situation with Tyson Fury, the rescheduled rematch with Deontay Wilder, currently set for October 3rd, although we don't know with the current world scene exactly what's going to happen. But also, where Anthony Joshua and Kubrat Pulev fit into the equation, we heard last week that Joshua Pulev had been postponed um, with no rescheduled date as it stands from June 20th and that the people behind it are still trying to make it happen for Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Um, I've had the pleasure of speaking to both Eddie Hearn who's um, head of matchroom boxing and promoter for Unified World Heavyweight Champion of course AJ um, and Lou DiBella a former member of Deontay Wilder's team just about what they expect to happen because Hearns floated the idea previously and you'll have seen on our channel him addressing that claim that he could possibly make AJ against Fury for later this year. Obviously this would be um, predicated upon convincing both Pulev and Wilder to accept some step aside money, maybe take a fight in the interim and then face the winner. Now obviously they both can't, they both can't face the winner straight away. It's interesting because I spoke to DiBella and I think we were kind of on the same page in that we'd encourage Wilder to take the step aside. I think the longer the gap is between the Fury rematch when he got absolutely trounced and the third fight benefits him. He can work on more stuff in the gym. Mentally, he can get over the comprehensive nature of the defeat and regain some of his confidence. Um, and I think, you know, it's hard to see him winning either way, but I think the more time passes in between, it also allows... Fury to get rusty, he's been distracted when he's had long layoffs in the past, so you can always hope for that if you're in the Wilder team. It's only going to benefit Wilder. I think the far tougher challenge, and I've said this, Bella mentioned this as well, is going to be convincing Kubrat Pulev to take the step aside money. He's guaranteed as the IBF mandatory challenger a decent size of the purse against AJ. And if that turns out to be the mega event they're still hoping for at an outdoor stadium, I don't know if you can have an indoor stadium, but you get my point. He's going to make a sizable chunk of money, and at his advanced in age, he's waited a long time already since becoming the IBF mandatory um, against Huey Fury, and also was previously set up to fight AJ, got injured and had to pull out. He's going to want to take his chance when it comes. You know, as he's getting older, he doesn't know how many fights he's got left. But not only that, he's been injured the last time he was set to fight AJ. He doesn't know when injury is going to strike again. As you get older, injuries tend to become both more serious and more frequent. So convincing him to step aside rather than Wilder is a much tougher challenge because while Wilder has got something to gain from the delay, Pulev has everything to lose. Um, and for very little gain because even if AJ Fury happens and someone comes out of it as an um, undisputed world heavyweight champion, yeah, it's a bigger fight for Pulev, but is he going to get that much more money? I'm not so sure. And not only that, what if it's a really close contentious decision in Joshua Fury or even a draw? Everyone's going to be calling for a rematch and then... Are they going to ask Pulev and Wilder to wait even longer? You know, it's, a, it's an easier sell in Wilder's case because he's still quite young into his career. He's had that one loss that he wants to get over and there'll be many more big paydays for him to come, I think, with his, you know, ridiculous power. But for Pulev, his age, his kind of unfashionable status, even though he's backed by top rank, of course, he's not a big name necessarily and he's not got the most kind of outgoing or exciting personality. His English isn't brilliant. I can't see him getting loads and loads of opportunities and the fight for him isn't going to get that much bigger from the delay. So he could be the, the sticking point on this one and that's why I think it's very, very unlikely that we see AJ against Fury this year. I think there's every chance, you know, if Fury comes through the Wilder third fight in October as we kind of expect him to and if AJ gets past Pulev in impressive fashion towards the end of the year as well, 
Um, you know, it might still happen in July-ish, but I, I would think maybe the new season. When that eventually happens, I think early, um, or say spring 2021, outdoor football stadium in the UK. COVID, hopefully in the rear view mirror, or at least COVID-19 might be onto COVID-22 or 23 by then. Let's hope not. Um, but yeah, that could be an amazing kind of mega fight for 2021. I think that's, that's what we're looking at. But I want to know what you think, not just what I think. So let me know below in the comments um, when you think AJ Fury will happen or if it, indeed it'll ever happen. And if you give either Pulev or Wilder any chance of upsetting the apple cart in their respective fights first and thus scuppering the all-British super fight that we're all hoping for. Let me know what you think. I'll respond to some of the best ones and I'll be back on Monday for Reflections, 4.30pm. Don't know if I'll be in the garden or not, weather permitting. Um, and I'll be back for Flexpectations next Thursday at 4.30pm. As always, really appreciate your time and I'll see you all soon. Cheers.